This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today I would like to continue with the music of the great swing era trumpet player Bunny Berrigan. The track we're listening to is called Sometimes I'm Happy. This is actually the side B of the King Porter Stomp recorded with the Benny Goodman Orchestra in 1935. His association with Goodman uh, professionally was very, very short. He played on that tour out to California and then quit the band. One of the things that Bunny always wanted to do was to form his own band, and later he, he would do that. But through the 1930s, he freelanced with many of, of the biggest names in music. And there's some things about his playing that were really attractive to people and, make, and also make his solo so memorable. He possessed a beautiful, full low register. Oftentimes his solos would start in the low register and then move up into the very high register. He could play great lead trumpet player. He had explosive energy. He could play great blues. He could also play kind of in a lush ballad style. So he could do all kinds of things in addition to playing lead. So can you imagine the stamina this guy had? Plus, oftentimes they would start radio shows at 8 in the morning, um, then do some recording sessions, and then he'd do a dance, and then do some other things, go to a jam session. So the man had the horn on his face, sometimes 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And this went on day after day for years at a time. This is from a 1936 recording session called A Fine Romance with Billie Holiday. He plays a beautiful solo on this. In the 1930s, rarely would a soloist get to play a whole chorus or two choruses as they do, you know, started doing in the 1940s in the bebop era and, of course, through the 50s and the 60s up until today. Uh, most of the solos on the records back then were maybe half a chorus or an A section or a B section of a song. Rarely did they get to play an entire chorus of improvised music. Most of it was just little snippets, solos here and there. Berrigan was able to, within the course of maybe eight measures or 16 or maybe even 32 bars, tell an, an incredible story. The band would stop and he play a two-measure break. Some musicians would try to stuff a whole story into that, play as many notes as they could. He would never do that. He would sometimes allow the break to be a little story in itself and then go on to, to the main part of the story in a solo. Great balance, wonderful sense of drama. We're going to move on to 1937 to uh, two recordings recorded on the Victor label, and this is called a jam session Victor and also features Fats Waller playing piano. We're going to listen to Honeysuckle Rose and the Blues, 1937, Bunny Berrigan.
The next track from that same jam session is just called The Blues. As I said before, Bunny was a great interpreter of the blues. Check this out. Bunny had always entertained the idea of forming his own big band and had been approached uh, many times by booking agencies to do that. It really wasn't in his nature to be a leader. He was uh, always kind of a, a, had a sideman's mentality of just someone who wanted someone else to make those decisions. But in 1936, he did form a band. Now, in those days, you just didn't form a band. You had to have backers. Often it would be like MCA or one of the big entertainment companies or booking agencies would say, you need to front the band. You're starting to develop a name for yourself and a following. And then once you got the backing, then you had to get the music. Back then, these these big corporations, they really controlled almost every aspect of music. The best songs were relegated to the artists or the band leaders with the biggest name. Now, Bunny wasn't a real, was a big name as a trumpet player, but in terms of swing era big bands was kind of just starting out. So he wasn't uh, given the best material, but he did wonderful things with material that was, was uh, sometimes of questionable value. It was very much almost like a plantation system in the 1930s. 30s, the way these big companies really ran almost every aspect of the music and slash entertainment business. In 1937, he did finally formulate his own big band and took it on the road. 1937 is probably his most important year in the studios and, and as a creative musician. In 1936, he had first recorded a song called I Can't Get Started, and it was a newly written song by Vernon Duke with the lyrics by Ira Gershwin, and uh, he recorded it in a small group. When he was able to form his own big band in 1937, he did record it with a large group, and this became his theme song, and it's a song that's always been associated with him. Another important thing about the song is that he does sing the melody. He's got a kind of a high tenor voice, but the playing is magnificent. The low register is rich and full. The high register is, is, is strong and sure-footed, and there's no missing of notes. As busy as he was in 1937, he found time to play with the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra for a few months. Tommy and Jimmy, they had been friends for, for many years, probably starting back in Wisconsin. 
um, and they'd played together on many recordings, radio orchestras. But Tommy formed his very famous band in 1936. It was with actually with Jimmy Dorsey. They split up and recorded probably two of his most famous pieces, Song of India and Marie, which are wonderful orchestrations. And of course, Tommy plays great trombone. But again, Bunny Berrigan is there, and he contributes the most masterful solos to both of these tracks, which we have to listen to, because the success of these pieces, even though it's Tommy Dorsey's trombone playing in band, is in no small part based on Bunny's contributing these great trumpet solos that continue to be replicated some 75 years after the recordings were made. Right after Song of India was recorded, Tommy Dorsey also recorded Marie. The solo that uh, Bunny Berrigan plays on it is magnificent and is an integral part of the success of this recording. In 1937 and 1938, Bunny was very busy traveling with his own band, still uh, making recordings with other groups, going to jam sessions. As I said before, the man had a horn on his face 12, 14, 16 hours a day, and it created havoc with his personal life. And, and Bunny died very young, much like Bix Beiderbecke, and uh, one can only speculate where he might have gone had musically had he lived through the bebop era into the swing era. Of course, you know, someone like Harry James, who was, I believe, just maybe a little bit younger than Bunny in the late uh, 30s and early 40s, you know, became very popular. And, and by the early 40s, you know, Bunny's playing was beginning to deteriorate. And of course, Harry's playing continued to evolve and, and to just get better and better. Bunny's dying so young, you know, we just we don't really know where he might have gone musically. I'd like to uh, close the show with a 1938 recording of uh, the Berrigan Big Band. Actually, he recorded this particular song called Black Bottom twice. This is a 1938 version, and it is a swinging version. You're going to hear Bunny play a full chorus, which is a little bit unusual for a, a three-minute recording from this period. He plays a great solo, and then we're going to hear him playing lead on top of the band to the end of the track, which really sounds very, very modern, and you can really get a sense of his rhythmic drum. Drive, the energy, and of course the magnificent and massive heart that this man had. And he was universally respected and loved by his peers and left a very high benchmark for trumpet playing in the 1930s.
This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta, Georgia.